and coming to the best seller relative to which karma it's a synopsis uh, which it's synopsis quotes and i read the meaning of karma stands distorted like we, you were just saying that we have a very distorted idea of a value system so even karma stands disordered by centuries of misplaced fictionalized uh, fictionalization so karma remains a disquieting enigma to the few who refuse to accept compromise notion tell us why it remains so disquieting and what made you write it what was that connected with people making it a national bestseller although i am convinced right now because uh, if somebody gets to know you it doesn't come as a surprise that karma became the best seller but you tell us what connected you with that idea and what ended up becoming people's point of connection you see karma action becomes a convenient uh, armor to defend the actor the karta when we talk of uh, improvement or betterment or elevation of consciousness hmm? uh, having a better life being a better human being we are talking of ourselves so the entire wisdom process or spiritual process refers to the ego the self no that self is the actor the karta the one who does the one who acts so everything that we do has to be targeted at the doer because it's the doer who does it is the doer who who enjoys who suffers who is happy who is sad right the actor matters because we are the actor we are not the action the action is just the actor manifested hmm? even when the actor exists sans action the actor does exist action may or may not be expressing itself at all times but the actor always is sometimes active sometimes passive latent so it's the actor we must concerns concern ourselves with instead what we see happening is that we concern ourselves solely with the action what are you doing is your action good or bad now that's a deep internal conspiracy against ourselves the actor is not only the one who suffers but also the one who wants to continue to suffer the actor has a stake in its own suffering that sounds strange to hear why would somebody want to continue to suffer but that's the way we are because the the configuration of the actor that we carry within the the kind of ego that we have that survives only in suffering in joy it disappears so for its own existence it wants to continue suffering if it must suffer then it's imperative that it does not improve because improvement would mean the end of suffering if it must not improve then it must not make itself available to diagnosis or observation 
Therefore, the attention must always be on something else rather than the ego, the actor, the sufferer. Hence, something more convenient has been spotted and that is action. We keep talking of karma, the action, so that we may conveniently escape looking at the actor. Now, that's the genesis of the book. And what further bothers me is that uh, there, are, there are things like law of karma and, and karmic balance and uh, that's also related to reincarnation and, and uh, so many other things, rebirth. Mm. There, is, there is an entire library around these terms, I suppose now. So, all that needed to be demolished. All that is just the, a part of that inner conspiracy to remain suffering. The ego is a very strange thing, no? It conspires against itself. It wants to continue suffering. Now, somebody needed to bust that conspiracy, though a lot of that has been done in very effective ways uh, already in history. But in today's time, I am trying to do my little bit. So that's where that book came from. It attempts to put the focus back on the doer. If you do not know who you are, you cannot improve. And if you cannot improve, then no point trying to change your actions. Because the point the action is coming from remains the same. You are just artificially modifying the surface. The wall is hollow and you are putting layers and layers of paint on it. That won't strengthen the wall. Hmm? You understand the wall? The wall is the actor. The paint is the action. And we are trying to paint our hollow and diseased selves with good, holy, pious action. Hmm? Let's do good deeds. Let's do this, let's do that. Uh, without knowing who is the doer. And that's the fundamental ignorance and suffering of the doer. Lack of self-knowledge. It does not know itself, so it suffers. And how can you know yourself if you do not even want to know yourself, if your entire attention is towards something else? Hmm? So, the doer has to be known, the doer has to be scrutinized. And uh, then there is a smooth and uh, effortless change in action. Action you don't even have to worry too much about. Once the actor is set right, the, act, the quality of uh, action just improves by itself. There is a beauty then in everything that you do, you say, you think. And there is a beauty about your entire existence, your very personality. Because now the roots have been nourished. What's the point in taking care of the leaves? The leaves are the various kinds of thoughts, deeds, actions, emotions that we have. The roots are the fundamental ego tendency. The roots have to be first of all taken care of if there is if there is problem in the roots, there is, if there is termite, if, if there is lack of nutrition, then 
what's the point in worrying, wondering so much about the twigs and the leaves? I really like how you have simple analogies in which you break the conscious practice of development so that, uh, you know, one doesn't find it very difficult to understand that ultimately it's for their benefit and it is coming from a place of understanding, right? So uh, that makes sense to me because ultimately if, because everybody wants to have an answer, everybody has something that they're seeking, everybody, I, I think it would be safe to say nobody's un charmed by the idea of being sorted of being in control of being well of being happy of being i don't know maybe just just very complete if i can say yeah. that yeah. so and and i'll, I'll just uh, take your permission to interfere here that's that's what is fundamental hmm? yeah. just as we were talking of freedom hmm? this thing is very very fundamental it does not come from something else it is a priori it is a priori. It does not require something prior to itself. Why do we want to be sorted? Why do we want to understand? Why do we want not to be tensed? Why do we want to be relaxed? There is no reason. That's just our nature. That's the fundamental nature of consciousness to be relaxed, to be in command, to, to know, to not to be afraid, to be, to be simply sahaj. Or to be simple, just to say, to be simple, not complex, not problemed, not convoluted. If you ask why is it so, no reason. That's the way consciousness is. There is proof for the way it is, but there is no proof for the question why is it so. That makes sense because I think... If you go to the traditional ideology, which a lot of people share when it comes to spiritual awakening, they would always begin with find your why. So this comes as a breath of fresh air that sometimes you don't have to seek answer for things that just pertain to your basic nature. Yes, of, of course, of course, of course. So uh, that that to me is a great insight. And that, that was the idea when I was deciding to moderate you because a lot of people have been following you and you enjoy a huge number of people who idea you know relate with the ideologies that you share and there was this side that they wanted to know as to what is acharyaji's perspective of when he brings us the bestseller speaks to us or things in a certain way so i think i that was in my mind and i think i personally enjoyed this conversation it is always a great insight to look uh, the world from your lenses and like i said you have a very beautiful way of of braiding simple analogies with with conscious practice of development like I previously said. So uh, I hope I've done my part. Thank you for joining us. Sir. It was a pleasure conversation for myself. Thank you. Thank you. I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, thanks to both of you. And I look forward to having more of it in the future. Thank you, sir.